0: I'm here on the Hammer Betting Network part of the Hammer Betting Network powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. We're live on the ford Progress YouTube channel here. We'll welcome everybody in. It's the Best bet Show. Just as usual, it's 2 weeks in now. This is the third week. 5 games that we're going to preview top to bottom. Now, candidly speaking, The crew here puts together like a little bit of a run sheet before the show where we try to settle on which games we're going to talk about. We're all over the place this week. It's not the best card. We're going to try to deliver as much information as we can to you over the course of the next hour. And then as usual, we will end the show with our best bets. I do want to review last week really quickly. We're all about transparency here for those people watching. We do hold ourselves accountable. Eric missed the show last week, had a last minute thing that he had to attend to. We talked about a bunch of games, kind of hit or miss. Suma did pretty well on the leans overall. In terms of the best bets that we had a week ago, uh, I got like a half win on the using a half unit on Carolina plus three and a half. Um, Eric not in there. Atlanta for Suma wins it. The under for Hitman on Green Bay Atlanta was a loser. And we will recap these every single week. If you do want to see the plays in real time, you can head over to BetStamp, check out the Forward Progress account on Betstamp as well but for now i will welcome in our team it's suma it's hitman it's eric eager boys it's exciting it's football we got a ton of big spreads this week so we're going to try to navigate our way through these games over the course of the uh, next hour here or so and a reminder to people if you're not subscribed to forward progress here make sure you hit that subscribe button if you do want to get in on the chat with everyone else here over the course of the day you do have to be subscribed in order to chat and ask questions over the course of the show but guys let's get right to it and let's start with the Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns now we saw the Browns blow it on Monday night in that Monday night football game they allowed the Steelers to go for negative yardage in the fourth quarter and still found a way to lose that game the market the look ahead line was around Cleveland minus four and a half, but obviously some adjustments have to be made. Nick Chubb injured for the Cleveland Browns. And right now at Pinnacle, we're sitting with a market of the Cleveland Browns minus three, minus one oh nine, the total down below 40 at 39 and a half. And hitman, I'll start with you here. You think that the uh, the uh, Cleveland Browns are the play here in terms of the the line maybe being adjusted a little bit too much in the in the span of one week.
1: Yeah, well, it's just a lean for me at this point. I haven't bet Cleveland. I don't know yet if I'm going to bet Cleveland still doing a little bit more work and monitoring some injury reports and all that. But uh, that's where I'd lean on the game. Uh, The Browns defense, I mean, we talked about in the offseason how improved they were going to be under Jim Schwartz and the additions they made to the defensive line. It's happening. They absolutely dominated the Cincinnati Bengals in the first game. And then in the second game, they didn't allow the Pittsburgh Steelers to cross the 30-yard line one time in this game. So it was a really good effort as far as success rate for the Browns defense. And it was a lot of fluky stuff, including two defensive touchdowns for the Steelers that helped them win that game. And the Titans, one thing we know about them is their offensive line is arguably the worst in the league. And they're going to be without Peter Skaronsky in this game. So we should see a scenario where the Browns defensive line absolutely dominates this game. Why haven't I bet Cleveland yet? After everything I just said, I think we know where where I'm going on this. It's the fact that the Titans are pass funnel defense. They're going to stop the run and they're going to make you beat them through the air. And do I rely on Deshaun Watson at this point to not only win with his arm, but to cover margin against a team that typically keeps games close? And they'll they'll pull it out of their ass a lot of times when nothing makes sense, but the Titans will keep games close. Do I rely on Watson? He's second worst in inaccurate throw rate. He's third worst in yards per attempt. Second worst in completion percentage. Last season, he had the same – EPA per play, per dropback as uh, Zach Wilson. What have we seen so far through two weeks that makes me think that Watson is going to be able to cover margin in this game? And we, I expect the Browns are going to throw it because their pass rate over expectation jumped a ton after Nick Chubb left this game. And that was something that they talked about in the offseason when I did all these videos saying I liked Watson overs for the season, thinking that there was going to be a lot more volume for him. Well, I think the volume is going to be there, but can this guy be efficient enough? So for me, you know, i wanted that Cleveland. I've been I've been considering it. Do I at some point possibly? But that is the drawback right now for me. the Sean Watson question.
0: Well, Eric. You were part of our live watch along for the Browns and Steelers over on the Hammer HQ for Monday Night Football. I'll use your terminology, and that was a privilege to to be able to watch that game with you and watch Deshaun Watson down the stretch here. But you're not deterred from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you're kind of in the same boat as Hitman here.
2: Yeah, I would even say I probably lean uh, Cleveland even a little bit stronger. It wasn't pretty on on Monday night, and there were a lot of mistakes, but when you look at what the Steelers were actually able to accomplish, it was two defensive touchdowns, a long, you know, passing touchdown where it was clearly like kind of a fluky broken coverage type play. Um, And, you know, I think this coaching matchup, I I'm a huge fan of Mike Vrabel, but when it comes to like in-game decision, if this game gets close, Kevin Stefanski this year so far has added nine uh, win probability points above the average coach, uh, which is top, you know, eight in the league or so. Mike Vrabel is more like league average. So I, I think that, all the components other than Deshaun Watson are going to set up nicely here for the Cleveland Browns. And then it just amounts to whether Deshaun Watson can be above expectation. And I I think that that's a, I I think that it's a better than a coin flip, frankly, like they have Amari Cooper and like, he's played pretty, pretty well, you know, for the last two years for them. Uh, David and is I I think that the Cleveland Browns kind of outclass Tennessee talent wise here. And you add to that, you know, Uh, I I think the coaching, a a coaching mismatch that's perceived by many, which I think is a little bit overblown. So, yeah, my number makes it, you know, more than three here for Cleveland.
0: So I'm in agreement with both Eric and Hitman here. I do think that Nick Chubb, I've talked about this before. I'm not like one of the running backs don't matter guys. It, like I actually think that Nick Chubb has a tangible difference whether he's on or off the field, but I do think matchups matter, and I think the likelihood that the Browns would be able to run on this Titans front seven, even with Nick Chubb, is probably a lower than other teams in the league. Considering what I think of the Titans front seven, I think ultimately Deshaun Watson can move it on this secondary, which even if healthy, I think is still a very bad secondary. But Suma, you wanted to make a case potentially for Tennessee in this game. I mean, maybe this isn't an overreaction, and maybe we just do need to downgrade Cleveland's offense that much.
3: Yeah, I'm right around minus three for this game right now. Um, Subjectively, I... Could not really bring myself to bet on Deshaun Watson to to beat by or to beat Tennessee by margin here. So I echo a lot of what Hitman has said already. So this Titans defense is already very good against the run, and they are very good against the run, defending it out of light boxes. So they can basically play like a pass first defense, and they're still pretty good at defending the run. And I think that Nick Chubb makes a difference because. Over the past couple of years, like this guy, consistently gets yards above expectation. Even last year, like the difference between Kareem Hunt, who they just signed off the street, was still glaring. Like Chubb, average 0- 0.036 EPA per play last year. Kareem Hunt minus uh, 0.116 yards per play, like 1.3 yards better than Kareem Hunt. Success rate better. So this guy consistently creates yardage out of nowhere. And I just don't see that happening with Jerome Ford or um, Kareem Hunt. Like when Chubb went out, Ford got the workload and Ford had, I think, five out of 17 runs were deemed successful. He only had that one big breakout run, but you, you could still see like the, the, the difference in field vision be, um, between Chubb and Ford. And I think th- this is going to be a matchup where the Browns have to throw the ball. Um, Mary Hookah... Uh, a Manny Hooker might be back. Christian Fulton was at practice today. So the Titans defense should get a little bit more healthy there. And with the current state of the Browns offense, I just am having a very hard time seeing Sean Watson in that passing game to really be successful enough to beat such a team by margin. On the, on, on the other side, I also agree that Tennessee might have the worst starting offensive line without Peter Skaronsky, who is likely going to be out again this week. Uh, Brown's will Brown's will match up very well in the trenches. I think that the under might still be in play despite it being very low already. But it's very hard for me to get behind the rationale that um, Deshaun Watson will all of a sudden be that much better than what we have seen over the past eight or nine games and uh, beat this uh, Tennessee defense by margin. So yeah, I'm r- right on market right now, but uh, it's just. Also, subjectively, it, it makes it very tough for me to believe in this Browns offense.
0: That was an interesting point you made about the Tennessee offensive line because if you go back to last year and look at when the Titans offense played like a high-pressure rate team, their offensive outputs in those games, Ryan Tannehill in particular, were horrible. Like they just couldn't score points whenever there was any sort of duress on the quarterback last year. So it'll be interesting to see that. Lots of comments in the chat, particularly about Cleveland, um, generally speaking. And I'm curious for you guys, like, do we do we give the de- Deshaun Watson has not looked good? Is it still within our right to give him a pass for having had to play on the road at the Steelers? And in week one, candidly having not had to do anything because their defense was all over it. And I mean, there was rain. Like, Eric, do we give Deshaun Watson a pass or is this what he's going to be going forward?
2: Well, I think, especially relative to who he's playing this week, like Ryan Tannehill has a higher sack rate taken this year against a bad San Diego defense. And, you know, like they haven't had to play the defenses that, you know, Cleveland has than Deshaun Watson has. So, like a lot of the things that we, I mean, our expectations for Deshaun are higher, but his output hasn't necessarily been worst in the league. And, and especially relative to who he's playing this week, you act, I, I, I'm not saying we give him a pass. But I'm. I do think that watching him in a in a in a standalone standalone-ish game and seeing his faults kind of out loud is allowing us to ignore kind of the the similar faults for a guy like a guy like Tannehill who's going up against in this game, which is a lot of sack a lot of sacks taken, a low you know low pass rate, over expected type of thing. I, I yeah, I think I think we're being a little bit too harsh on him as a player and you know, over the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, it hasn't looked good, but I, I still think the circumstances like were pretty harsh for him in the first couple games of the season. Where if there was to be a turnaround, it wouldn't be all that surprising. It should also be noted here Suma is a celebrity now. Got a shout out on NFL Network from Pete Schrager <laughs> today, which he did. Uh, which he did. I guess Pete Schrager probably didn't see Joey Kanish absolutely eviscerate him like a week ago as well. He, he responded to that
2: Kanish tweet. He said, Thanks, Joey.
0: There we go. So he did see it. <laughs> and he didn't put the two and two together. That, uh, that he was Suma inspired. Generation. That's
2: why he started following Suma on Twitter.
0: Exactly. <laughs> he, had, he had to at that point. Uh, for those watching, you'll see the scrolling ticker at the bottom of the screen. Those are referencing Pinnacle's real-time odds right now. And we thank Pinnacle for being a sponsor of this show. But on top of it, honestly, candidly, I've been petting with Pinnacle for a long time. I'd never consider betting without Pinnacle as one of my sportsbook accounts because of their everyday competitive odds. As you see the odds scroll at the bottom of the screen, there's a very, very high likelihood that they're going to have the best price in market on either the side or the total, if not both, uh, over the course of the show today. So bet smart, bet Pinnacle, your trusted sportsbook for the past 25 years. And if you're going to sign up to Pinnacle, use code HAMMER, H-A-M-M-E-R, as it does help support the show. You must be 19 plus, uh, in Ontario. Not available in the U.S. And as always, please play responsibly. Uh, we'll move on. I, I caught a little slip from Eric there, referencing the Chargers. He used San Diego Chargers, which still happens every now and then. I can think of them. Intentional slip. Okay. It's the Los Angeles Chargers at the Minnesota Vikings this upcoming week. In uh, what can be best be described as like. I guess the game between two teams that never want to win or somehow always find a way to lose or play close games. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see anything differently this weekend because that's what we've come to expect from these teams. And the market reflects that Uh, Vikings, a very small favorite uh, moved from the underdogs to favorites um, and the total now at pinnacle up above 54 to 54 and a half. We typically don't see these numbers anymore in the NFL, not in 2023 NFL, but summa, I will start with you here because you have a slight lean on one of the sides.
3: Yes, slight lean towards the Chargers. First of all, I will say that I was really impressed with Kirk Cousins so far. Guy has been slinging it. They got very unlucky in both games with some of these turnovers. But going into this game, what I like about the matchups, a matchup in favor of the Chargers is that A, We don't know yet whether Christian Derriso will play or will be healthy. So I think it was a back issue when I remember correctly. Eric will maybe know a little bit better. Um, His backup, Oli Udo, just went to IR. Their left guard is not good. I think we might see Dalton Wisner there um, maybe this week on Sunday. Um center Get Bradbury is also dealing w- with a back issue. His backup is not good. Right guard is some kind of an issue. R- right, tackle is solid. So if this is not the game where the Chargers will be able to somehow control the line of scrimmage and be successful, be successful with some of their blitzes, I don't really know what the case will be for um Brad and Staley next Monday morning. Um and on the other side. The Vikings' defense, I think it's pretty much what we expected going to the season. Like, the personal is not there, and they will find ways to get creative with, like, stupid-looking fronts, these um, zone-disguised cover, zero looks, um, sending almost 50% uh, heat at all passing, passing plays. But I think... The Charters showed a ability in week one to be able to run the ball very successfully when they get presented these um, fitting looks. I think the Eagles demonstrated that also last week. Like They were struggling with the Vikings' pass defense, so they just ran the shit out of them. And I think the Charters will have enough, enough answer, answers in the one game. Uh, against the Blitz, Justin Herbert and that offense is looking extremely good so far. So I just think that whatever the Vikings defense will throw at them, I trust the Chargers to somehow find counterpoints to to put up enough points. And then on the, on the other side, yes, as much as I like this uh, Vikings passing game so far, the run game is pretty much non-existent and you're pretty much asking Kirk Cousins to go toe-to-toe in a shootout with uh, Justin Herbert behind a Questionable offensive line that's dealing with injuries against Joey Bosa and uh, I mean Khalil Mag is not like is uh, not looking like his former self, but I just think that overall I would give the Chargers the slight edge in this matchup.
0: So Eric, I want to throw to you with this because the in terms of EPA through two games, the Chargers defense is dead last in the league. Now last year they had a pretty solid defense in terms of EPA. That was with Joey Bosa on the field for like two games. Personnel wise. It, it doesn't look like a team that should be shredded. You know, the, the personnel is there. Like, will there be a rebound for this defense at some point? Because, I mean, we've come a long way with where these teams were perceived going into the year, right? Like the Chargers, again, I mean, listen, it happens every year, but like they're dark horse Super Bowl contender. Maybe they're going to dethrone the Chiefs in the division, but the Vikings were right in around like a win total, which is like league average, and people expected them to regress. Now they're favored at home against an AFC team AFC considered a lot better than the NFC as well. Do we think that there's a bounce back in store at some point in the near future for the Chargers?
2: Yeah, I think the composition of how the Vikings went on offense actually plays into what the Chargers are trying to do. Um, They were a first percentile run game against the Eagles last week, uh, negative 0.79 expected points added running the ball, but they were a 91st percentile team on late downs against the Eagles. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable. And it just depends, like, if you're handicapping that that offense-defense matchup, it's like, can the Chargers stop the Vikings' run game sufficiently enough to try to spin the roulette wheel again on third downs, right? Cousins is a very inconsistent player at times. Um, when you add it up, it's good. But the compositions are always inconsistent for Cousins. In the Tampa Bay game, it was it was early in the game, early downs and he kind of faded down the stretch against the Eagles is almost the opposite. And so if you're the chargers, your strengths are Derwin James, you know, the speed of your linebackers, not the strength of your linebackers. And I think that if you can get the Vikings and long down downs and distances and they get the same performance that they got against the Eagles, you're kind of screwed. But those performances they got against the Eagles are pretty variable week to week so that's the hope for the Chargers is that the Vikings are not explosive running the ball their offensive line is terrible a shot ankle injury who knows if he'll be able to play they're on something called Dan Quisenberry at left tackle at the end of that game so like I I'm 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 thinking like you know I I do think the Chargers have a shot in this one to at least you know get a get the stops that are needed for their offense to take advantage of yeah you know, and Suma said this I was at like The Vikings front is the weakest front I've ever seen uh, a defense play uh, consistently. They're trying the three safety stuff. They're trying the blitz stuff. They don't have the backbone as a defense to do that for 17 weeks.
0: Hitman, I know you're a lot more neutral on this game uh, potentially than Suma or even myself when I talk about this shortly, but anything that potentially catches your eye here or is this going to just end up being a, a complete stay away from you this weekend?
1: I really got nothing as far as the side is concerned. I will say, though, that typically you're saying with like te- with the Wong teasers that you don't want to tease higher total games. But I do think that whichever team does end up being a one, one-and-a-half point underdog in this game. I mean, is there two teams in the entire league <laughs> that just refuse to win by margin and play close games at seemingly every single week more than these two gate teams? So I do think that's potentially worth a look. And maybe I'd say that I'm not as positive that this game is just 100% going to be some crazy shootout as some other people due to the fact that we know we heard a lot about Brian Flores blitzing a lot this offseason, but he's been playing a lot more coverage. And obviously they got eaten up in their, their run defense, but that was against the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line and their run game. So I could see them maybe playing some guys back again and kellen moore has shown that he's willing to adapt week to week he was super run heavy against the miami dolphins in week one and then he went super pass heavy and vertical pass heavy against the titans so if flores is going to try to play that way i could see the chargers running and there has been some quotes out of minnesota just emphasizing that they app uh, they need to get a run game going and they can't continue to play the way that they're playing so not positive that we're just going to see the fireworks that this game, that this total is indicating.
0: Well, we saw totals like this in the COVID year when there was like no fans in attendance and there was no disruption to, you know, the the away team in terms of running plays at the line of scrimmage and like they could, everyone could hear themselves and, and whatever. But I remember the totals that year. And like, we got some that were up to 57, 58 in some cases. And when you get into this range of like 54 and a half, Almost everything needs to go right for you to hit that over, right? Like just a long drive where a team goes seven or eight minutes and settles for a field goal or turns it over like you're cooked in that type of scenario. A lot of in a lot of instances, you add in the fact that I do think the Chargers will try to mix in a lot more running this game as well and have success doing that. Uh, I think this totals a little bit high, but generally speaking, It's just really challenging for me in games like this where I just look across the board at rosters and I just think the Chargers are better everywhere. It's just like, where do the Vikings have an edge personnel-wise with the exception of Justin Jefferson, right? It's just like one team is clearly better than the other. Why can they not figure this out? And where I think there's a decent chance this week is I like to look at pressure rates. I obviously reference them a lot when I'm talking about breaking down games, but I also like to look at blitz rate to pressure rate, like just a ratio. And right now, Minnesota's is the worst in the league in terms of the fact that they send blitzes, but they don't get pressure from those blitzes. And that's a real problem, I think, going forward for that team and that defense. I'm with Suma here. I mean, this, this is a wrong team favored for me, but it's not. We're kind of in the zone where it's just tough to get like a real edge. Unless you make the game like Chargers minus three or Vikings minus three, you're not going to have a, a big edge on the side. But I do think that the Chargers are going to win this game this weekend. We'll move on to our third game here. Um, The Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. Anthony Richardson did not practice today. Uh, Gardner Minshew, the backup there, played for some extended time last week. There was early lines posted on this game, even though Anthony Richardson was at risk, which kind of lets you know, um, I guess, what the the market thought of whether there was going to be a downgrade or not. I think these quarterbacks are going to be valued very similarly. But, Eric, you've been really impressed by Baltimore so far this season, and you're interested in the favorite in this game.
2: Yeah, I just think, you know, a lot of stuff when you came in this year, um, there was personnel issues with Baltimore with Humphrey being out, Marcus Williams being out, uh, the pass rush. You didn't really – you lost Justin Houston. Um, there wasn't really a veteran presence there with Clayus Campbell also moving on to Atlanta. Uh, linebacking core, Roquan Smith is great, but Patrick Queen hasn't been all that all that good. Um, Mike McDonald has been terrific as a defensive coordinator and has has really done a good job, especially against young quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud looked okay against Indianapolis last week. He did not look like he had really much in the way of, of any luck week one against, against uh, Mike McDonald. Then you go to the other side, and Zay Flowers represents a wide-receiving kind of threat that Lamar Jackson really hasn't had in a long time, a guy that, you know, where – This offense has really struggled at times. They've been explosive, but they haven't necessarily had the success rate to go along with their EPA per play, and that's because other than Mark Andrews, they really haven't had a guy where Lamar Jackson could hit his back foot and get an easy throw, or you know, all the easy plays in Baltimore's offense over the last few years included Lamar Jackson running and all the risks that that incurred. Now they have a guy in in Zay Flowers who they can throw the ball to and give Lamar Jackson a break in the passing game, uh, and get the yards after the catch, and then you complement that with Odell um, and, and and so forth. Like I think the Baltimore Ravens are a lot more resilient to some of the things that have made them have difficult times of it the past few years. And for that reason, in addition to the uncertainty with with Anthony Richardson, I like I like Baltimore in this one, especially you know the time to get Baltimore is kind of early in the season too because they are an injured team. Things go awry, but right now I think they're hitting on all cylinders.
0: Suma you're also interested in Baltimore in this game but maybe in a different capacity in terms of a different bet type.
3: Yes, I love Baltimore as a teaser leg this week. I I just don't see them losing against this um Colts team like I will read up three names. Dallas Flowers, Kenny Moore, Darrell Baker. These are the guys playing cornerback against a passing offense that looks absolutely incredible so far. Like what they did with the Bengals defense and the Bengals defense might not be as good as we thought going to the season, but what they did against the Bengals defense was really impressive to me. Like Lamar Jackson looks like 100% comfortable in this offense. Mark Andrews is back healthy. Uh, although Beckham is not practicing today. He was out with an ankle injury. He might sit this one out, but I still think against arguably the worst secondary or at least the, the worst cornerback depth shot in the league. I think that the Ravens should have enough success. Anthony Richardson, I don't really see him shooting, shooting up right now. He was DNP today with a concussion. Like sound, Twitter doctors also are saying the fact that he reported symptoms later does not bode very well uh, to be back this upcoming Sunday. And if it's Gardner Minshew, yes, he looked kind of decent against that uh, Texans defense who could not really prepare for him, but um, Gardner Minshew with this slow receiving group against this Mike McDonald defense. I really like the matchup. I would also rather bet uh, Ravens on the side, but I really, really like them as
0: like. T-select. Hitman, you think the Colts are a little bit more live than these guys are giving them credit for right now?
1: Yeah, so I bet Indianapolis on a look-ahead at plus 8.5, but obviously that was anticipating that we were going to get Anthony Richardson in this game. And it was mostly a fate of Baltimore and their injuries that they have coming in this game. And I mean, if you look at the injury report just on Wednesday, you have Odell Beckham doesn't mean much at this point, but Justice Hill, um, they are two outside linebackers, two starting offensive linemen, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams. It's just a lot of injuries for this Ravens roster to come out and cover margin. And I think that probably... We'd say that one out of all the new coaches so far, like Shane Steichen has done a really good job so far with this Colts offense. And Gardner Minshew comes in in relief and goes something – I understand it was against Houston, but goes something like 18 of 22. And this is a guy that could get you through a game or two as a starting quarterback without a doubt. So for for me, it's just more – I don't have as many pro Indianapolis statements as I would have had if we were going to have Anthony Richardson, because he surely looks to be the most promising rookie quarterback that we have right now, but it's more of just, it would be a fade for me on Baltimore winning by margin with the injuries that they have. And I get that their passing offense did look pretty good against Cincinnati, but Lamar Jackson has even been quoted as recently as like before week two saying like, Acknowledging this offense is going to be a work in progress. I'm still not fully comfortable in it, so I do think that Baltimore is maybe a team that later in the year, as Lamar gets more comfortable in this system, could be valued a little bit stronger than they are now. But yeah, for me, I, I like I said, don't have many pro. In, it's more of just a fade of Baltimore, but hasn't been something that I've bet this week.
0: All right, guys, a show of hands here of how many people agree with this. I feel like Minshew is a slight upgrade over Richardson. Anyone here agree? I don't agree. I don't no, either. I especially not with the way that this offense was built for Richardson as well. And like kind of like a dual threat. Co- That's not to say I don't like Minshew. Minchu's fine. And I don't think he's a steep downgrade at all, if any. But I just I, I'm actually way more impressed with Anthony Richardson than I thought I would be through two games this season he looks by far the best quarterback in this class so far, Eric. The,
2: the floor is much higher for the Colts with Richardson in there because he can run. Like if things break down for the Colts, Minshew's kind of a sitting duck, whereas Anthony Richardson can run the ball and and, and provide a, a, high, a higher floor and a higher ceiling. So it, it's it's a distributional thing and a mean thing.
0: All right. I just wanted to see who was on the same page and if we were going to get into any arguments over that one. But it seems like we're all on the same page. For those of you watching here live on YouTube, make sure you do like our content down below. Click that thumbs up button. It does elevate our content in the YouTube algorithm. People find us in real time and we can grow the viewership. If you're not subscribed here on Forward Progress, please do so. Just hit that subscribe button. And if you want to, set notifications. We're live at 2 p.m. Eastern Time every single day of the week with some form of NFL content. If you're watching or listening after the fact, please just leave us a review in the comments. What did you think of the show? Or if you're on a podcast form on your preferred podcast app, just rate and review uh, if you wouldn't mind as well as we get on to our fourth game here of the week. Now, this is the beauty of doing sports betting broadcasts and not just breaking down games because there's not going to be too many people who want to cover the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks this week. Not the most appealing game on the board. A little bit of news out of practice this morning. Bryce Young dealing with an ankle injury did not practice for the Carolina Panthers. We know the backup there is the Red Rocket or the Red Rifle, whichever nickname you prefer, Andy Dalton. It's Carolina at Seattle this week. The market, Seattle minus six, the total 41 uh, with the juice leaning towards the over here. Suma, you have a strong lean in this game. What is it and why?
2: Um,
3: yes, I lean towards the pandas in this one. I think this um, line currently, I think we are back up into the sixth range after the Bryce Young news, which fi- I find it very interesting because um, I don't think that Bryce Young looks awful or something, but I think he's really struggling out there. Um, and I don't think that at this stage... Andy Dalton is a real downgrade, so there's that. Um, I think that yes, Seattle had that great bounce-back game with a good offensive performance at Detroit, but I think that the Carolina Panthers' defense is on a different level. And despite like giving up to uh, giving up 20 points to to the um, to the Saints, I was really impressed by the defense watching that game. Geo Evero. Is a top three, top five DC in my opinion. He was very good with the Broncos last year, who were really uh, lacking uh, good pass rushers. They they ranked first in the EPA p- per dropback last year without applying pressure. And against the Saints, yes, we had that great bomb down the sideline to, to Chris Olave, which was good coverage in my opinion. But Olave just made a great play. Um, Taysom Hill had a few good and highly efficient runs. And I still think that the Panthers defense look really good. And this is a Seahawks de- uh, offense that is still without both starting tackles. And I really like what the Panthers defense is creating up front with all these disguise blitzes, creepers, bringing guys f- from the second level. Yes, Shaq Thompson being out hurts, I, but they still have Frankie Nuvo. And I, I, I just think that the, the Panthers defense will make it a competitive game. They will likely keep it close. It will be a low-scoring game. And I just think that despite Bryce Young not looking that great so far, I think that that their run game should have more success against the uh, Seahawks defense. If we see Andy Dalton, I would not be too much concerned either. So I just think that uh, six is too high of a number to lay with the Seahawks in the spot.
0: Yeah, just looking at the chat right now, we have some comments here. So Dalton is an upgrade over Bryce. Uh, what else do we have? I prefer Andy F- Firecrotch Fire Dalton crotch. As, a, as a nickname. Uh, but yeah, we also have Damani here. I'm betting Panthers when slash if Bryce is ruled out. Um, so we just had the conversation about Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew and Hitman, I'll throw to you here. But do you view this game any differently for Carolina if Andy Dalton ends up playing instead of Bryce Young?
1: I'll say that if there is a market move, if Bryce young gets ruled out for this game, then maybe that's when I would think about jumping on Carolina, because I just think that right now there's no difference between the two quarterbacks. Um, I think that Dalton obviously has a way lower ceiling than Bryce young does, but he probably also has a higher four at this point in his career. But with that said, I mean, I haven't bet anything with this game. i not playing to at the current moment, but I'm a little more pessimistic about Carolina than Sumo was. I, I know their defense has played pretty well so far, but the injuries mounting up mounting up with J.C. Horn and Thompson and Seattle, and Carolina, as much as like, I think about them like having this really good defensive line with Brian Burns and Derek Brown, they're 31st in pressure rate right now, which was pretty surprising to me to see that. And this offense like is right now in the conversation for worst in the league. One bet that I did make was it's not available many spots anymore at the current number, but there's one or two um, Minnesota minus two and a half on a look ahead against Carolina next week. I think that that line should probably be priced at minus three, but for this game, not much of an opinion.
0: Eric, this might end up being the most interesting game in the late slate this upcoming week because the other two games have uh, some double-digit favorites. Is Carolina live here? Um, and I guess break it down with with both quarterback situations.
2: Yeah, I think when you know DK Metcalf, Tarek Woolen, both kind of were banged up after the game against Detroit. Um, that game was also you know went into overtime, and so there's 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 effects there. I think. Um, Seattle was already banged up and there was a game effort. I think that there's a little bit of your backup quarterback theory where it's like teams can rally around. I, I, you know, teams can maybe like, you know, over, over prepare for injuries to tackle. You know, everything Seattle did to to have a game effort and to overachieve against Detroit, I think that regresses a little bit. Um, The only the issue I have, and this is true with both quarterbacks, is there is not a more unathletic wide receiving core in the NFL than what the Carolina Panthers are working with right now. And so it might not even matter who is in the defensive backfield. You know, we, we didn't see Devon Witherspoon week one, he played last week, Taragula now injured a little bit here. Um, It might not even matter. And that, and you know, Andy Dalton was pretty efficient last year for the saints, but he was working with Chris Olave uh, and and Rashid Shahid and, and guys who are much, much better than what the Panthers have going for them. So, in theory, Dalton could be an upgrade, but I think his, he's Dalton's always been better when he has receivers who are better than what the Carolina Panthers have, which has been almost every you know, season of his career. So I don't think I can, I can back Carolina with either quarterback just because uh, of what they're working with at the skill positions.
0: It is a valid point. Um, I like Carolina in this game regardless of the quarterback, at, assuming a price of six. Um, I do think I like Dalton a little bit more for the the backup rallying team rallying around the backup type of situation that Eric mentioned there's like some statistical studies to show the quarterback playing their first game I mean it's a veteran I don't know how much it actually matters but ultimately the Seattle defense has not stopped anything in two weeks like there's not going to be a better matchup for Carolina's offense regardless of the quarterback Seattle last week generates a pick six against Jared Goff, and there was a David Montgomery fumble as well, which basically swung the game. Other than that, the Lions punted one time. Week one, they were kind of shredded by Matt Stafford in that game as well. Now, granted, the the Rams offense, Stafford, the Lions offense at home is very different than what Carolina is going to throw out here. So it's not apples to apples, but I do think that there is the opportunity here for Carolina to look a lot better. I think the Saints and, and Falcons defenses did a good job uh, but personnel-wise, I like them a lot better than the Seattle Seahawks. I just can't get to the number here. And uh, Suma already mentioned mentioned the tackles for the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Detroit really couldn't take advantage of that last week. I think Carolina's well uh, more equipped to take advantage of that this week. So personally, I'm, uh, I'm here on Carolina plus six. I like it regardless of the quarterback situation. If the market was to fade um, Carolina on... A Bryce Young being out type of situation I would only like it even more um, because I do think that Dalton is probably a little bit better in uh, one individual game here Uh, final game we'll talk about and then we will get into our best bets for the week we all watched the Steelers somehow win that game on Monday Night Football (laughs) still at a loss as to how it happened but it happened I've seen it me and Eric were just joking throughout the game about how like this seems like the most Mike Tomlin game ever, where like somehow the Steelers will win the game. And and they did. They now go out on the road to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. And the market throughout the week this week has been very anti-Steelers. Raiders out to minus two and a half right now, at some books, approaching three. The total sits at 43. Um, It could be anti-Steelers. It could be pro Raiders. I think it's more of the former, especially with the way that their offense has looked so far. But Hitman, uh, make a case for Pittsburgh here going on the road at Las Vegas.
1: The case is right now the line is saying that Vegas is the better team on a neutral field. And if you look just two weeks ago when the regular season win totals closed, Pittsburgh closed 8.75. And the Raiders, I believe, Close 6.3, and that's with Pittsburgh playing in the toughest division in the entire NFL. Now, has Pittsburgh been downgraded since that point? 100% they've been downgraded. They've lost Cameron Hayward. They've lost Deontay Johnson. Minka Fitzpatrick's status is in doubt for this game. But let's remember that these two games that they've played, they've went against the 49ers defense, and they've went against the Cleveland Browns defense. It's a way different matchup. In this game, going against the Raiders' defense, and you you look at the Raiders. How I mean, how much have we upgraded them? They've gotten destroyed, lost by margin against Buffalo, and they won. They won a game. I mean, we upgraded them slightly after the Denver game, but it's not like they've had a huge upgrade either. So, to me, Pittsburgh. It, I still have them as the better team on a neutral, even with the current injuries. And that's what really comes down to the fact that I think Pittsburgh is the, is the right side in this game. And one thing I sort of stat that Pittsburgh, I believe has zero rushing yards before contact this season, which is absurdly low. And we know that Matt Canada is a very stubborn offensive coordinator that they're going to, there's not a lot of, they're throwing go routes. They're running the ball. And everything. This is finally a matchup that this style of offense is just not going to get completely shut down against. So, I think Pittsburgh plus two and a half.
0: Eric, I saw you nodding your head a lot there, and actually like putting up the finger, like you wanted to to add in on there. So, just jump in with what Hitman was saying. Now, now Hitman was like
2: flirting with saying wrong team favored, uh, but he didn't quite get there with the with the words there. But the when you when you look at you know what the Raiders have accomplished so far, it's, I mean, this Denver defense against a Washington commanders team just surrendered in the mid thirties. They made Sam Howell, who is a very, I think comparable quarterback to Kenny Pickett um, look like a a much better than above average passer. Um, And that was a team. I mean, again, they scored 17 points there this past week. They, you know, Josh Jacobs had nine carries for minus two yards uh, against Buffalo, a team that, um it gave up a lot of yards to Bryce uh, to Brees hall the week before I, I think when you it, hitman hit on a lot of that but they, I just think when you adjust for expectations and you and you actually look at the results of the last two weeks in context like I don't understand how you come out of this with with the idea that this isn't a better team and Josh McDaniels somebody who, you know, when we look at Mike Tomlin, we always look at the intangible stuff that you can't measure. You can't look at the fourth down and stuff like that because he doesn't look great there. Josh McDaniel doesn't look great there either. And so if they're even playing field as far as in-game decisions, then the coaching advantage is sizable in Mike Tomlin's because, again, of, of all the stuff that we don't measure with statistics on that end. So I just I just don't I don't get this move at all. And, and you know, I I like I like Pittsburgh quite a bit this one.
0: So it's nice that we have four different people on here and we all have our own opinions. And oftentimes, which I think is good for the viewers, we don't necessarily all line up on something. Uh, Hitman, Eric, and I think myself as well, which I'll get to in a second, disagree with the way that this line has moved. But Suma, you understand the, the movement towards the Raiders. And if anything, you're more likely to back them than Pittsburgh this week.
3: Yes, I don't know whether it's going to be a play for me. I would absolutely like if the Raiders had confirmations about uh, Jacoby Myers and uh, Devontae Adams being back. Because I think if those guys are in there, I think the way this Raiders offense plays, like they want to run the ball, I think they should have some success there against a Pittsburgh line that is missing uh, Cam Hayward. I don't really like their their line-making groups. Um, So I think that the Raiders should have more success running on them. And I also think that the, the Raiders through the air will find a lot of these soft zone sports to Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. So I just like the stylistic matchup for, for the Raiders offense. And on the other side, Pittsburgh played like the two best or maybe the, the two best defensive lines in football right now who got completely worked at the, at the line of scrimmage. Um, but I still am not really sold on that um, Cedar's offense. I expected Kenny Pickett to make some kind of a leap going to the season. He's now without Deontay Johnson, so they lack an element of a very good uh, route runner. And even though I'm not high at all on the on the Raiders' defense, I just think that the the Raiders' offense is the unit that I would trust a little bit more in this matchup over 60 minutes versus uh this Pittsburgh team um also um this Met Canada offense um which doesn't really look that fluid on the road loud environment that's some part of it but I just think that the stylistic matchup for the is, uh, Raiders is a that is well might be a little bit underweighted but that being said I don't know whether I will end up um on either side here
0: yeah it's also interesting too because the Raiders play two games away from home um the 3810 drumming last week at Buffalo And now we kind of get their first home game here in prime time. And some people might contribute like a little bit more of a a value to that for the spot that they're in, especially with the Steelers on a short week. But I'm with Hitman and Eric here where I just can't I can't get here yet. I think the opportunity that the Raiders offense is a lot better than we gave them credit for going into the year is there because Jimmy G does get the ball out of his hands fairly quickly. But he is going to come under fire a lot in this game. And that typically doesn't end well with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Ultimately, also not really willing yet to move off of my prior on Kenny Pickett. I do think that a lot of this has had to do with the two defenses that he faced. The 49ers and Browns are very likely going to end the season in top five pressure rates. Um, I would say that's pretty high probability. And this is just a very different defense. This is a Raiders defense that's not generating pressure through two weeks of the season. So the likelihood for Pickett to look a lot better this week in my opinion, uh, is high. I make this uh, closer to a pick as well. Not quite a pick Raiders slight favored, but I do like the Steelers in this game. All right, that's been five games. Before we get into our best bets here, I do want to remind everyone, please just smash that like button down below again. Helps people find forward progress in the future. Um, it goes a long way. I could see uh, Eric laughing right now. It's probably, there's been a few comments about the AstroTurf on the wall behind you there, Eric. And well, also, I, if you – yeah, go
2: ahead. I assume he's got an opinion on on the hamburgers, uh, BK. I mean, he's absolutely right about Burger King being better than McDonald's. I don't even think it's close. I, you know? Oh, really? Uh, Long we want to get into that Jersey. debate
0: now. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a Burger King guy. So, sorry, Burger King. We're never going to have a Burger King sponsorship. I'm not a BK guy myself. I think it's like the nut low of fast food places.
2: Wow! there was when i lived in ohio before sports betting was legal there i had to drive to indiana to make my legal wagers and there was a burger king right across the border where it finally finally stuck so uh, maybe it's just like positive vibes i get from that that restaurant that uh that that i'm clinging to
0: i'm very interested what the chat thinks about this and also what hitman thinks about that he's been quiet in that corner of the screen just smirking but uh I'm not a, I'm a high guy. end.
1: I'm a high end fast food guy. So if I'm going to get fast food, I'm paying up for five guys. I'm paying up for Chick-fil-A is the,
2: I like that. So I'm, I'm not going but to you these steak food. shack, which I had for lunch today. It is better. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to live in that, I mean, if you're going to live among the Raiders and the Steelers of, of fast food joints uh, this week, I think uh, you got to take BK.
0: For those who missed the, uh, the Monday night football double watch along, we spent probably at least half of that talking about different fast food, because it ultimately comes down to what am I going to end up ordering from Uber eats? And I go through the entire menu, but I'm with you Hitman. I think Chick-fil-A top shelf, five guys, top shelf. Those are preferred Whopper Wednesday used to be like the day that you just go like get the Whopper for value. But then I'd just be sitting there eating it. Like, why am I doing this, this to myself? Like, Yes, it's value, but really, is it any good? Uh, I'm 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 with the McDonald. I'm a McDonald's is better than Burger King guy.
3: One thing to add, so I've been to the states twice, and my absolute banger spots for burgers, or let's say my power rating up there, were In and Out. I think it was the Double Double or something, and Shake Shack. Those were the two best spots for me.
0: Say you go get pissed drunk at Oktoberfest, right? And you need you wake up the next morning, you're hungover. You need some some food to soak it up or whatever. In and out, absolute banger spot. I don't think they have In and Outs in Germany, but the one in Vegas is no. a go to for me after a, after a rough night. I can say I frequented that location uh, right behind the link many many times. All right, guys, uh, let's get into it. Our best bets again. We'll give away our best bets. Courtesy of the prices at Pinnacle Sportsbook right now. But like we do every single week, we're going to give out uh, what the price is good to as well. So for those who are playing after the fact, you can kind of know the situation and so on and so forth. Suma, we will start with you for this week. Your best bet is a total. What is it and why?
3: Yeah, it is the um, Indiana, uh, not Indianapolis. Sorry, the Houston Texans at uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. It's currently 43 and a half towards the over on Pinnacle. Um, I like this matchup towards the over. I think that the Jaguars. Offense has been performing significantly below my prior going going into the season. And I still think that Trevor Lawrence was not the biggest problem at all. He looked really, really good in those games. But there were some issues like drops in the end zone. Um, offensive line didn't do him any favors. Play calling was kind of shaky at, at times where I thought maybe Doug Peterson uh, should take over. Uh, play calling duties again. But I think this, this is... The, the classic get-right spot for them. I think they will have much more success success this week against a Houston Texans defense that is without their starting nickel cornerback. Uh, Jalen Petrie might still be out this week. I don't think that their defensive line is uh, playing at, at a very high level. So I think the pressure shouldn't be as high on the Jaguars O-line this week. And on the other side, I've watched every C.J. Stroud snap this season so far. And I think the, the the tape guys and the data is perfectly aligning on this guy. Like when he can play in structure, when there is no pressure, he is absolutely balling. Almost every throw is on the money. But as soon as there are pressure, as soon as there is pressure, he collapses. Like uh, nothing's working anymore. Um, offensive line has been completely banked up. Larry Metcalf will be back this week. I don't like this Jaguars front outside of Josh Allen. So I think that CJ Stroud should be able to play more snaps or more dropbacks in structure this week. I'm not high on the Jaguars defense in general, not just the defensive line. And even if there's a game state where the Jaguars are leading by 14 or 70 points late third or early fourth quarter or something, I think there's also the opportunity for for, for the Texans to string together one or two garbage time drives to get this over the total. But I think with the total being in the 43.5 44 range, I think a floor of should be absolutely doable for these two offenses.
0: And while Suma was giving out that pick in real time, it was steaming in market just a little bit as well. So somebody definitely watching that values your opinion, Suma, in order to bet that total moved a few cents as well. Hitman, I will go to you. Your best bet this week. What is it and why? It's
1: the Atlanta Falcons plus three and a half. And it's mostly the biggest part of the handicap is playing against Detroit injuries Right now, where David Montgomery is not going to play in this game, Amara St. Brown. There's talk about that he might not play, and if he does play, dealing with a turf toe that could lead to some less efficiency than what you were used to from him. Taylor Decker, we don't know what's happening. Vita is going to be out for this game. Defense is missing. James Houston and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Also, I could see like a lot of people are going to say like, "Oh, David Montgomery's out." Well, now that's going to lead to more efficient touches. Jameer Gibbs. Well, Dan Campbell's already come out and said it's going to be running back by committee and that we're probably going to get some inefficient touches from Craig Reynolds in this game. And, you know, I I think that you could argue that Atlanta has the better playmakers with the injuries. They have potentially an equal offensive line considering the injuries. Again, if all healthy, the Lions are probably the second best line in the NFL, but due to some health, that's a case And Atlanta's defense has played really well this year. They're allowing 4.7 yards per attempt to opposing passers. I know it was against a weak opposing schedule, but this is a defense that we highlighted in the offseason that they were going to, they spent a lot of money in free agency and they were going to be a lot better this year. So Atlanta, you know, the, the way that they play, it tends to lead to some closer games. They're, tend, they're not going to win by much margin with the way they play. Probably not going to get blown out a ton of times either so i've made this game closer to 2.75 so plus three and a half good to minus 120 i like atlanta
0: all right hitman on the falcons for this week dr eager has been crunching the numbers doctor in mathematics you've crunched the numbers what do they say this week eric
2: i gotta put not md under my name again uh this we talked about this i like pittsburgh i think Um, when you look at the two defenses the Steelers have played so far this year the Niners really good up front the Cleveland Browns really good up front you look at the Raiders uh, Max Crosby is a terrific player but beyond that Tyree Wilson right now is one pressure through two games Uh, the interior that defensive line is not particularly great as well I think the Steelers get some relief uh, and are able to move the football uh, better to the tune of what Hitman said of, of zero yards before contact the yards after contact have been actually okay which is you know the more stable statistic and then uh, when you look at the other side, uh, Jacoby Myers, you know, still iffy on the on the concussion side of it. They really have only funneled targets the last two weeks, you know, to Adams if it wasn't for Myers. And so, um, I'm I, I think Pittsburgh here, uh, you know, all the way out to a pick'em is probably uh, is probably is probably worth a play.
0: All right, and I'll end it off here. We'll do an even split of sides and totals this week. I'm going to go with a total. Uh, On a team that I follow very closely, you see the Cowboys symbol behind me. I like the under in the Cowboys and Cardinals game this week at 43 and a half. It's a 3.4% edge for me at my current numbers, good down to 42 and a half. And I think that we just very recently last week saw how Dallas is going to play when they get out ahead in games. And I think that this is the likelihood that they get out ahead in this game is very high. But they're going to run the ball very heavily. 44 rushing attempts to 38 passes last week. Ineffective on the ground, especially when the other team knows it's coming. Ultimately, this just comes down to me. to Can Arizona score enough points? Whether that be early on in the game in scripted drives or in garbage time. And I just do not like their chances. People are high on Arizona's offense. Josh Dobbs looks a lot better than people thought he was going to be. Well, that was against Washington in week one, and honestly didn't look all that great against Washington in the second half. Last week against the Giants, guess what? The Giants don't have a pass rush. They can't stop the run. They don't have a secondary. They don't have anything on defense. This is a, a different breed in and of itself. So I'll be sweating. Hopefully that Dallas doesn't score any defensive scores this week, but I think this number is a little bit too high. I think we're likely to see a final score in the range of 27-10, 24-10, something like that, uh, but ultimately under. Under. In this game this week so four games all around the board in terms of best bets five games that we covered from top to bottom as well for those of you that do enjoy the content here on Forward progress make sure you smash that like button down below subscribe to the forward progress channel if you're in ontario check out pinnacle and use code hammer when you sign up as it does help support us here on forward progress and we can continue to make content one last thing always bet responsibly obviously all of us like betting. That's why we're watching this content. That's why we're producing this content. But do so within your limits. Never let it get to you. So please play responsibly if you are betting the NFL heavily this weekend. For myself, Rob Pizzola. For Suma, live from Dusseldorf, up in the top right-hand corner. Dr. Eric Eager, not an MD, and Hitman down below, who's probably got a round of golf scheduled right after this. Nod your head if you do, probably, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. For us four. Producer Jason Cooper, this has been Forward Progress, part of the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Pinnacle Sportsbook. We'll catch everyone for the Best Bet Show next Wednesday. Eric and Hitman back tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Check that out as well as they preview Thursday night football. Peace.